Welcome to the special episode of the Deliberately Better podcast. I'm joined today by John Finch. Welcome, John. Thank you. Uh, would you mind starting with telling me a little bit about yourself? I've been a psychologist for about 20 years now. My career didn't start in psychology. It started with other things. It actually started with plants as an apprenticeship. And then I found my way to psychology through a circuitous route and enjoy doing that. The last couple of years have set up a clinic which is focused on uh, trauma as one of the aspects. That's the area that I really like. Did I hear that you were trained as a yoga teacher as well? Yes, that's something that I did do in the past. And as when, uh, when I was a university student, um, for about 10 years, I was a yoga teacher. Oh, wow. Do you find that yoga ever influences your practice with people? No, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that it does. It's often a recommendation that I say, do so to chill out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but not something where I kind of, I think the theory on that side of it doesn't kind of filter into what I do. What led to your interest in psychology and therapy? Well, I think um, actually the yoga stuff is kind of relevant in terms of that mind-body connection. And my original undergraduate degree was in human movement. So it was all very much about body, but I had a major in sports psychology. And I really found that you know, that the influence of how we believe things has this huge influence on how we feel and, and all the sort of functioning of us. And, and the other way around as well. Did you do any work in SWOT psychology? Not formally. I did some work during my undergraduate training, those sort of things, but not. I didn't take it on as a, as a career path. Okay. And then what led to your interest in maybe trauma work? My uh, doctorate was initially in health psychology, uh, and one of our... Uh, not, it wasn't a placement, it was actually a moment of, of uh, wow, this is really interesting. We were taken to a PTSD clinic in a hospital and there was an interview with a soldier and there was also a demonstration that the soldier was unaware of of one of the PTSD symptoms where you know they startle very easily and the psychologist inadvertently knocked a pen off the table and the poor soldier with PTSD jumped out of his seat and that was like, whoa, this is really interesting. What's going on here? And that's actually sparked my interest to, to be thinking about what is this, this problem called PTSD? Yeah. Mm. W- would you be able to describe that a bit, what trauma is and what PTSD is? So post-traumatic stress disorder is something that psychologists use to define trauma very clearly. The idea of traumatic events can range when we're talking for the general population, can range from something that's just distressing if you like that might be about I guess what's distressing for a teenager it might be relationships things like that and sometimes they might say that's traumatic or it can range to you know a physical assault when a psychologist is talking about trauma from a post-traumatic stress disorder perspective they're talking about a specific set of occurrences symptoms that happen after events that are potentially life-threatening and also things that, that also have sort of violation of the self, sexual assault, those sort of things. Mm. And so when we're thinking about post-traumatic stress disorder and trauma from that perspective, there are specific sets of things that happen, symptoms, and those uh, can be dealt with, treated, and, and change can happen. And those, those symptoms are actually the normal things that happen after traumatic events, but when people have PTSD, they kind of get stuck with them. How can therapy help PTSD? So in terms of uh, therapy helping PTSD, it actually changes all those symptoms. And symptoms are not always 
obviously connected. So therapy helps through changing, I guess, sort of the base reaction, if you like. And you know, a trauma reaction or a trauma response might involve fear and then we learn a whole lot of things to protect ourselves, but it might also involve changes in our feelings and, and how we uh, have sort of sets of beliefs about the world, like if we find that we, after a trauma, can't trust people, you know, then that affects how we behave in the world. And so therapy aims at changing that through uh, looking at how kind of belief systems and change or reducing fear responses. And the things that you can get change in that don't look like symptoms are often the really important things to people like relationships, like connection with people. People with PTSD often describe not feeling connected to people in their community or even to their own kids and they kind of on one level know that they should but they don't feel it and that's actually to do with trauma and sometimes people don't understand that that's a connection because they've had the traumatic response for a really long time. So it is possible someone's been through a traumatic event or situation and they haven't realised the extent of the impact that it's had on their life? Absolutely, yes, and, and they, there isn't a connection to that came from trauma. And then when they come into therapy, they're able to join the dots a bit more, but also get out of some of those patterns or that, recover from it? Yes, that's right. The, the, I see the job of therapy as first kind of joining the dots and actually understanding, ah, oh, that's to do with that, and then, well, how do we go about changing that? Mm-hmm. And of course, if you don't know that if the dots are, are not joined, it's actually really hard to change something that doesn't seem to be connected. Let's say that someone realises that maybe they they might have PTSD or they've been through a traumatic event. Is there any self-help strategies or things they can do at home to improve the situation for them? So some of the things that that are shown in the research that are important are social connection. And one of the the things that's that's kind of, I guess, really significant, I guess for me, I, I read some research around the Black Saturday event and what they found was that those people who um, remained connected to their community, to people, actually did better. And they actually also said that that was better than any kind of professional help to start with. Mm. And so that maintaining your connections with others, and if you're finding your connections hard, then that's a sign to go and seek help. Okay. But maintaining your connections, being involved is, is really important. If it's in the more sort of immediate aftermath of a trauma, that's really important. And it's also really important to understand that you will have responses to a trauma. Everyone does, and it's not pleasant stuff. You might have images, you might have memories, you might feel uncomfortable. That's normal. Over time, that should die off. If you're not finding that's dying off, that's, again, another sign to Mm -hmm. go out and seek help. How long would you expect it to take for things to naturally resolve after a traumatic event? Really hard question, but if you're still experiencing quite strong things a month after that's really important. If, if it's longer than that, then yeah, absolutely, I would check with a professional mm-hmm. and find out. If you find that, that, that you, there are things that you can't do anymore or things that you have to do, you know, that might be really important too. If you can't go certain places or if you have to make sure the doors are locked, all these sort of things are, are things to, to consider if they're changed, if they weren't previously there. Okay, so if people start avoiding more than just people but also things or places, that yes. could be a warning sign? Yes, absolutely. What are some of the biggest misconceptions you'd say about trauma or PTSD? Uh, some of the biggest mis- misconceptions are that if you have a single trauma 
compared to multiple traumas or things like things happening in childhood, you need something different in terms of how that's treated that, in fact, you don't, but there's lots of information out there that a single trauma is kind of easier to treat compared to multiple traumas. They're actually no different Mm -hmm. and they can be treated really successfully with the same kind of treatment. After how long, uh, sorry, let's say that someone's symptoms aren't going away, how long can they persist for? Years. Years. Without... People can have a lifetime of symptoms. Yeah, it's something that, that people can steer their whole life around. I've talked to 90-year-old war veterans who have been managing it for 50 years. Yeah, I've spoken to a lot of Vietnam veterans and it's the same way. You know, they avoid a lot of things in their life and might actually even move out to the country so that they can be around people less. Yeah. Exactly, and so it steers your life instead of you steering your life. All right, so if someone listening wanted to seek out therapy, what would you recommend? I would always recommend that they look for evidence-based therapies and trauma-focused therapies. They're usually the same thing, Uh, and in terms of that, the three uh, most recognised therapies are prolonged exposure, uh, and that has lots and lots of research, High movement desensitization and reprocessing, or EMDR, and cognitive processing therapy, which is my favourite. Could you describe a little bit what cognitive processing therapy is? That's where you really get to understanding the meaning of what's happened in a trauma, which we believe is what keeps keeps people stuck from recovery. When you have meanings about trauma that are unhelpful, they might not look unhelpful, they might look protective they can take you down certain paths in terms of what you do and how you experience your feelings and understanding the meaning and checking whether it is actually how it is. Mm -hmm. Often in traumatic events, we do things or things occur so rapidly and they're not the normal things, but how we assess those, we assess from the framework of the normal everyday life and that's actually not the kind of right way, if you like, for one of some better words, because you're applying everyday rules. For example, if you applied the everyday rules of life to being in a war zone, it's not going to work because war zones are unfair. Yeah, I've noticed that it's starting to become a bit more common for people to say I was traumatised by this or traumatised by that. Um, Is it possible for people to be traumatised, say, by a bad situation at work or even COVID? I've heard that a bit lately that people are getting traumatised by it. In terms of when we think about PTSD it wouldn't fit that that category. Yes, those things are distressing, and I guess it's really important for people to understand that distress doesn't necessarily mean trauma. Distress is not pleasant, who likes that? Mm. But in terms of understanding trauma and PTSD, the way it's understood in terms of the diagnostic manuals is we need to have something that's life-threatening or potentially life-threatening or sexual assault, and depending on depending on the different manuals you look at, there, there might also be something that kind of meets the criteria of being terrifying or horrific. Mm-hmm. And with that in mind, even though we might all be scared of something like COVID, it might be really distressing. We also kind of know things about it. It's not unexpected. It's not necessarily horrifying in terms of something that's coming out of the blue, like a, a personal assault. So there's some little differences that are actually really important because, yes, it is distressing, but we kind of have time to prepare. We know there's the possibility that people could die. 
as opposed to it being completely unexpected. Gotcha. So there is something about how expected or unexpected it is as to whether it's going to lead to trauma or PTSD? Yes, there is, yes. So you can, you can have PTSD if somebody you know uh, and part of your family, someone you love, dies suddenly, accidentally or violently. And, you know, you, you may not be there, but you can have PTSD and it's that nature of it being accidental and violent that's actually really important. If it's somebody who's got sick from COVID, you kind of know that that exists currently mm -hmm. and you also know that that might deteriorate. If they get it, they might get worse and that allows you some sort of preparation time and support seeking and other things, which gives it a difference. What about for people that already have PTSD? Could the isolation from COVID make those symptoms worse? Yes. Absolutely. So if someone is struggling and they want to maybe check out some more resources, is there anything you'd recommend? So the International Society for Traumatic Stress Studies, or ISTSS, mm -hmm. uh, you'll find them uh, on, um, on the web. They actually have a lot of self-help kind of resources about getting a perspective on what's going on. Great. Uh, and they have those in different languages as well. Phoenix Australia is also another website that has information that can be helpful and that their resources mm -hmm. would you recommend the body keeps the score i wouldn't recommend the body keeps the score any reasons for that i'll give you an example my personal trainer is somebody who's into finding out more about the world and the body keeps the score is something he read and he said to me at the end of it you know he seems to say that everything's due to trauma but i don't think that's the case is it and I said to him, no, it's not the case. Sometimes people after trauma can get depressed. And so that flavour that the average person could read in that book is, I think, something important to consider. The book is written for a purpose to engage people. That's important. It has some research in it that's important. And I think it's very important to kind of look at that from what's useful, what doesn't seem to kind of meet with what you know or what the research says. Seeking a psychologist who you can bounce these things off might be useful. There are lots of different therapies out there, uh, and some of them might not have any research but may work. But the reason why I recommend evidence-based therapies is because we know how they work in, in a lot of ways. There's a theory behind them, and we know factors that can kind of make them work better. And obviously, this is with anything. You'd want to go to somebody who's had a bit of experience in that, who knows how to manage those symptoms who knows what to look out for and, and how to respond to that. Absolutely, yes. Really, really important to, to seek out somebody who has had experience and knowledge around trauma mm -hmm. when we think about it from a PTSD perspective. Um, I think that's really interesting. If people did want to get in touch with you or to, to try to see you for therapy or to get some more support, where could they go? They could go to our website, which is ccp.net au and they'll find, they'll find lots of things there and there's a how many people working at the clinical center of clinical psychology there's about 10 people i think yeah yeah and most of them are trained in trauma therapy most of them are trained in trauma therapy yep so we have people who are trained in, in uh, prolonged exposure emdr and cognitive processing therapy as as the kind of main one that we do and would they need to see their gp first before they come to see you uh, that can be helpful yes so if they're not sure, they could see a GP or they could just contact the centre directly and get some more instructions through Yes, that. yes, absolutely. Thanks for chatting with me today. Thank you.